Blog Talk Radio. All right, fans, here we go. Four two-minute rounds of boxing scheduled. Women in the ring. This is episode number 76. We've been off the air for about three weeks, but we're back, and we're back with a vengeance. This is going to be a very special show right before the big fights happening this weekend. But before we get into that, let me introduce all the way from Las Vegas, Hall of Famer, Mr. David Avila. How you doing, David? Very good, Felipe. Hi, Lupi, and hi, everybody. Hi, David. And- and with us from the Bay Area in Northern California, Miss Lupi Gutierrez. How are you doing tonight, Lupi? Good. And we have our power up. I have lights this week. Oh, that's good. Well, folks, we have a very uh, special show tonight. We're going to have news and notes uh, in the last about the last two weeks of female boxing. And also we're going to look ahead um, to what comes in the next two weeks. But this weekend is very important. We have a... A great fight coming from across the pond in Manchester, England, with Katie Taylor going up to the 140-pound division to challenge uh, WBO champion Christina Lenardartu. But right here in Vegas, where Mr. David Avila is right now, we're going to have a great fight between two uh, undefeated fighters, one from East L.A., the other one from Houston, Texas, Seniesa, Super Bad Estrada versus Marlene Esparza, and that's going to be on the main card of the Saúl Canelo Alvarez against Sergio Kovalev from the MGM Grand Arena in Las Vegas, Nevada. And with us now, I believe, from Las Vegas is the 2012 bronze medalist, undefeated WBO, NEBO champion, Miss Marlene Esparza. Let me patch her in real quick. Marlene, is Hello. that you? Yes, this is me. Hello, Marlene. Thank you for you being here. Yes, we can hear okay. you loud and clear. Thank you okay. for being with us here on the two-minute round. Um, with us is David Avila. I'm going to pass the baton to him. And then Ms. Lupe Gutierrez will ask you some questions after him, and then he'll come back to me, okay? Okay, cool. No problem. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Go ahead, David. Hi, Hi Marlene. I passed you today in the uh, MGM today. When you were oh, walking you? up behind, it was me. <laughs> How you doing? And, and, and oh yeah. How did you feel about the reception that you got in uh, Las Vegas? Uh, you mean from everybody here? Yeah, from the atten- the attention and. Uh, oh, you know, it, you it was a. Uh, you know, I've been here twice, but I've never, you know, been so high up on the card or had such an, you know, an opponent that everybody wanted to see as well. So you know, it was awesome to me. I feel like um, I feel like it. I feel like all my hard work has paid off. You know, even in just this fight, because I feel like this situation is something that boxers dream about. You know, everybody wants to be in this type of situation. So I mean, I'm just happy and, and I feel extremely blessed. And I also uh, I heard you at the press conference today, and you were talking about how uh, you you feel like an ambassador for the 
women's uh, boxing that you wanted to grow. That, that's the, the essence I, I, I got from what you spoke about. Yeah, definitely. I think that when I was younger, um, I didn't realize the type of impact that I had on the boxing world or that I had one at all. You know, even though I did have sponsors and stuff, I, I didn't realize uh, the type of change that I could, I could make. And now that I've gotten older and I kind of see all the younger girls and how everybody's really improving, you know, I see these young girls that are like 13 and you, I don't want to be around when they get older, you know. And it's just like I feel like I've had such a big part in that with that by just doing well. So I thought, you know, how how much could I do if I actually put effort and energy towards trying to improve it just by the way I carry myself, by, you know, the three-minute rounds, by uh, how I'm representing it. And, yeah, I've just started to take a lot of pride in that, and it's important to me. What are, what are some of the questions that the girls ask when, when you see them in the gyms? Uh, you know, uh, when did I start boxing is always – the the first one because I think they're so young you know and I don't know if they want to know because they think it's you know it's different for them because they're so young or if they want to know can they be as good as I am or as successful as I am and I tell them you know a lot of them all the time like you know you're starting before I did because I started when I was 11 and that's always the the main question or um (laughs) you know do I have a boyfriend you know if they don't know if I was married and uh, you know, it, how long have I been doing it? Just real, just normal questions. I think when they're trying to figure out, you know, what they're doing in some sort of sense. Have they ever asked you, like, should you have, uh, should you have a relationship and box at the same time, or is it too difficult? When I with the girls that are a little older, yeah, you know, mm-hmm. I've had, um. I've had a lot of those types of questions from girls that are at that age, you know, 15, 16, um, getting when they're getting out of the youth and all that. I've had those, I've had definitely had those types of questions. I've also had, you know, what do I do when the girls don't like me? You know, I've had girls, uh, I've had on two different occasions, um, girls at the OTC, you know, DM me and they're like, Hey, you might not read this, but no one likes me here. And, you know what do I do? Huh. So there's there's those types of things that happen as well, and I and I feel like um, to be able to just be that person for somebody, it, it's awesome mm-hmm. because I didn't have that, you know. So I feel like if I would have been younger and I would have had some sort of mentor that I could kind of look up to, that maybe I would have um, done things differently. So being able to help someone, you know, means a lot to me. When you had those kind of questions of your own, who did you ask? I didn't. I just, I, I didn't ask anybody. I just, you know, hope that I got it right. And kind of, you know, pride, pride did a lot for me, you know, and I don't, I don't know if that was necessarily the right direction, but I felt like that's kind of how I had. I felt that I only had myself regardless of coaches and stuff. It's different when you're a female, regardless of um, what anybody wants to admit. It's hard. And especially in the boxing world, so growing up under those circumstances, I mean, I had to throw, you know, I had to grow tough skin in order to kind of operate and, and feel, you know, in some sort of uh, way cold-hearted, you know, not let things get to me because it was a defense mechanism and I didn't really know how to dictate when I was younger. So uh, this is my last question before I pass you to Lupi. Um, what has been the difference?
terms of attention between the, the, the amateur fight game and the professional fight game? What kind of differences are there? I'm, I, the, the phone went out. Can you ask the question? Sorry, again, it, it beeps when you were saying. Uh, um, what, what are the differences between the amateur, the, the attention with the amateurs and the attention with the pros in terms of media coverage and stuff like that? Um, as far as, for in my case, for USA Boxing and, like, the media that you get just solely from the boxing, um, you know, it, there's a big difference. But whenever you add in the sponsors and, and the stuff I had, it's not too much different, um, to be honest with you. I feel like the way um, you, the, the way you have to do the interviews and, you know, the days that are kind of dragged out and it, it, it's kind of hard to deal with, but I have dealt with it before. As you know, it's it to me as far as media goes, it's not it's not too different. I feel like maybe if anything, people care a lot more about your personal life, you know, than than I than I feel like in the amateurs, it was always just straight boxing. But besides that, I can't really tell too much of a difference. I feel like it's I'm still being asked the same questions. Oh, okay, okay then, Lupi. Uh, thank you very much, Mark. I'm gonna pass you on to Lupi. Hey, okay. hey, Marlon. Great Hi. to talk to you. Thanks for coming Thanks on. For you. you know, I just want to touch, um, you guys were talking about the amateurs now, and, you know, I know a few years back you were at Snack with some of the NorCal talent. There was Mariana mm-hmm. Gonzalez, Lupe Gutierrez, who are both headed to the 2020 Olympic trials. And mm-hmm. more recently you were in, you were working with the number one ranked uh, 114, Reina Telez out of San Antonio. So... Mm-hmm. So what do you think, are you seeing more with the amateur boxers and, and with the pros too, are you seeing more of a sisterhood now than when you were coming up? Oh, yeah, 100%. Um, I feel like, one, they get, they're getting a lot uh, more access to, you know, international tournaments at a young age. So they're in mm-hmm. camps younger. So they're learning like camaraderie a lot quicker than, you know, I experienced. But at the same time, I feel like they're, when they're at tournaments and they're doing what they, they do, I see a lot more girls like helping each other and just mm-hmm. wanting to work together and kind of be there for one another. And I just, I don't feel like that was necessarily the case when I was younger. Yeah, yeah, that's and that's great. You, know, you can be what you didn't have, right? Yeah, definitely. It's it's it's, kind of, it's bittersweet because I'm like, man, I didn't have that, but at the same time, it's really awesome because I know how hard it is to be those girls. So to see that mm-hmm. it's getting at least that much easier because it, you're already boxing; it's already hard enough. So to have to deal with that aspect and how everybody's treating you or how you're treating them, it makes it so so much more difficult. And now that I feel like that's not that much of an issue, I know that the girls are, you know, more able to just concentrate on business. And to me, that's only going to help the sport. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. You are right. Um, If I can just get a little personal, um, I'm really sorry about the passing of your brother. You know, I lost my sister when she was 43, and it just, the pain doesn't go away, right? You yeah, know, no, thank my, you. It was hard. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. my son was born. My son was born on the anniversary of my father's death, 
Have you seen any miracles or communication from your brother around your son or your career or in your everyday life? Oh, my God, yes. Yes. Um, So my due due date um, for Saints was the Mm -hmm. passing of my brother. So he was due January 7th, which is the same day that my brother passed. But we wanted to have him earlier because I didn't want him to share the same birthday. Uh-huh. So I did get induced because I didn't want him to share the the date of my brother's passing. Um, yeah. So that's one. And then two, like he, my brother uh, managed rock and roll bands and he was in a rock band for a long time. He was a musician, um, really talented, taught himself how to play the keyboard, the guitar, the bass, the drums. Mm-hmm. And my mm-hmm. son loves music, is like absolutely obsessed with music. It's the only way to really calm him down because he's really hyper- it's the only way to get him to pay attention to stuff or to yeah. not cry. Uh-huh. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of different things. He hums when he eats, which my older brother used to do a lot. So it's just a wow. lot of things that, um, that yeah, that they share similarities in. It's not, isn't that really nice? It just keeps the memory alive. Yeah, no, it taught me a lot. Um, you can even tell a lot in my boxing, I, I think, obviously because it's been such a big part of my life, but – I wasn't I wasn't in a good place to begin with, and then when my brother passed, I feel like I was in even I was in in an even worse place. So mm-hmm. I feel uh, mentally and, and physically, I just I wasn't okay, and I feel like my boxing, you know, could, is to show would show it. And now that um, I had Saints, you know, it helped me a lot uh, getting to the day. My sons completely changed my life, and. It's the you know it's the best thing that I've ever did for myself and for my boxing and now I just feel like I'm back to normal and I'm level headed because it helps it helps that he you know that my son can remind me of my brother and then on top of it you know have a baby so all together it's been a yeah. experience. That's awesome. I'm happy. I'm really happy for you in your personal life. I mean, Thank you. It's what we want, you know. If that's what we want. It's nice to have. Okay, I too. have one last question. Are you going to let your son box? I, if he begs me, yes, but I'm not going to force it on him. So, like, whenever I started boxing, my dad didn't want me to box, so I was, like, begging and begging. And mm-hmm. so, and I'm glad he let me try. So, if my son, you know, begs me, then I will, but I'm not going to, like, buy him gloves or tell him to go to the gym and hit stuff because it's not something that I think someone should be forced to do. It's a really mm-hmm. difficult sport, and I just feel like if, if the sport catches you, then it catches you, and if it doesn't, then it wasn't for you. And you could just put a guitar in your hand. Yeah, that's my plan. I wanted to play baseball and play the guitar. Seriously. That's awesome. Hey, you know what? It's so good seeing you. Go get it, you know, and we'll be watching Saturday. But thank you. Thank you, uh, Lupe. Marlene, uh, I'm Felipe Leon. I'm the one that we had a, a pretty good interview last week. I don't know if you remember. Yes, uh, We talked about a lot of things. Thank you for being here with us. Now, I, I heard about your, I, and I wasn't going to plan on and asking about your brother, but uh, but I heard about, I mean, I knew about your brother's passing, and in our conversation, we talked about it for, for quite a bit. And then I went in and started doing research for my story, about your brother and um you know i when i was growing up i played in bands and stuff like that i thought it was pretty interesting and, and I, i'm sorry for your loss um so do you play 
your son's music from your brother, or do you think that should be a little bit later on? Because I know it was a little bit avant-garde and little punk rock, the type of music your brother played. Yeah, no, I haven't played anything that my brother played. He has heard some of my brother's music that my brother just had, you know, um, on his computer. That So uh, my brother had a bunch of stuff on his computer that he just recorded himself doing stuff. And mm. it's actually at my house because uh, I'm the one who takes care of my brother's stuff, like the things that we can't get rid of. And he hears those things because I listen to him sometimes. And he, and he likes it, you know. He loves anything that's instrumental, so he's really big on like orchestras or anything on uh, guitars or anything that has that 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 type of um, rhythm to it is really what he's into. <laughs> um, it's so weird. It trips me out all the time. So my last question about that, you, I read that your brother had built a studio in the house and it was like a mega, like a mecca for all that that music scene in. Um, in, in that town. So you have all that recording uh, equipment at your home? Do you take care of that? I do. Yeah, um, I have everything. He uh, he he made this one-of-a-kind um, keyboard. They call it the fun board, everybody in Houston. So he managed, because he was super smart, too. So he's like a, he got tested in his IQ like crazy. He, like, gets three grades. So he managed to like put this keyboard together that uh, makes types of sounds that no other keyboard can make. So that's always that's there too because they're trying to figure out who gets it. So I'm waiting uh. for his band, or his old band, and his group for them to argue over who gets it because everybody wants it, and then uh, we're waiting on that. But I have I have all this stuff, yeah. Wow, that's awesome. Now, let's move on a little bit. I mean, we had a pretty extensive interview. If you guys want to catch that, the listeners, you could go to pricefighters.com. It's up there right now. We talk about all kinds of different subjects, and, and we wrote about it. But what I want to talk about is the shove heard about around the world a couple <laughs> of days ago where you and uh, your opponent, Sinis uh, Estrada, faced off um, at the – a grand arrival at the MGM Grand, and my first question about it was, was or is, what what were you guys saying to each other? I mean, I know that you know that you don't, you have no problem, you know, mixing it up, especially on social media with her. But now having her face to face, what were you guys saying to each other then? Um, whenever, as soon as we started facing off, because she brought, because we're fighting at one twelve, right? And um, we're fighting three minutes. So then the WBC is not really happy about that with Sinisa. So mm-hmm. she brought her silver belt, that silver WBC belt, but that's a 108 belt. So mm-hmm. I know you're allowed to bring, you know, anything you want. Guys do it all the time. But I was just messing with her. And so when we faced off the first thing I said, it was like, you really brought your 108 belt. <laughs> and then I was like, that doesn't belong here, you know. And uh, yeah. that was all I said. And then she, that's, she, at first, she was saying, I don't know, she was just talking with her hands, really. She wasn't really saying anything. And then she said, you know, that all the trash talking stops here. And that's when she pushed me. Now, were you thinking of getting physical with her at that point, or that didn't cross your mind? After she pushed me or before? Before. Oh, no, no. I, I'm, uh, I don't like that stuff. I, I never have. It's not really 
for me because the way I see it is like when I was little, I used to get in a lot of street fights, you know, I used to fight a lot because that's what, because that you can do something about it. Or it's like when you pick on somebody at school, it's like, you know, if you fight someone at school, they're going to pull you apart in two seconds. So it doesn't count. And I just feel like at, with this, it's, it, we need to keep it professional. So, yeah, do I want to push you, slap you, hit you, spit on you because I don't like you? Sure, whatever. But at the same note, you know, I think that we have a responsibility uh, for women's boxing. And if it's such a big platform, save it for the ring, you know, and if you're that mad. I feel like maybe later on, if whenever women's boxing gets that much bigger and, you know, that, that can happen here or there. But, I, you know, it's, I just didn't think that that was a, a good move. So I didn't even think about doing that, no. Okay. And um, now on the two-minute round versus the three-minute round, you fought a three-minute round before in Las Vegas, I think. I'm pretty sure you have, right? Yes, I, I have. Okay. Now, for this fight, you insisted on the three-minute round. It's a 10-rounder. Um, would your strategy strategy be different going into a three-minute round versus a two-minute round? Do you feel that you have more time to kind of set up a game plan because you have a little bit more time? Is that something you worked on in, in camp for this fight? Yes, uh, 100%. I feel that after being in the amateurs for so long and having that those two minutes and all, four rounds, that it was like it always felt rushed, you know? You got to hurry up, go. It was like a sprint. And then whenever I turned pro, um, I remember thinking, man, finally I can kind of learn how to sit down and think and set things up like I do in sparring. But then I had my first fight, and I was like, oh, wait, no, that's just a sprint. You know, it's another sprint. So now you're telling me to do six sprints or ten sprints instead of, you know, four sprints. So I 100% feel like it's going to allow my mind to relax a little more and be able to let things flow because I know that I'm not so pressed for time as I was before. Now you're the one that insisted on the three-minute round in the contract. Do you think you have an advantage over your opponent? In wanting that three-minute round, do you think that she would not be as ready as you are for that three-minute round? See, I think that's the beauty of three-minute rounds for women right now. Who knows? You know, I'll, I'll, I might uh, I might regret it later. I really don't know who's a uh, favorite that's mm. going to work in, but I'm, you know, I'm definitely willing to take to take that challenge and and see where it goes. I think that I 100% have more of a motor than her. Because I'm I'm already a high uh, you know I already high velocity fighter I throw a lot of punches normally and I've always been my entire life I've always been the busier fighter the person with the bigger motor so you know mm -hmm. in the long run I, I feel like yeah it it will probably benefit me but I don't know I've never I've never been in a three a three minute round ten ten round fight with someone who's as skilled as her so we'll we'll find out. Now, this is my last question before we let you go. I know you got to get your rest. Tomorrow's the weigh-in. Uh, I'm sure you're at weight already. So my last question is, you, she said it and you said it, that, you know, after this, you probably are not going to like each other anyways, even after the fight. And we've seen a lot of grudge, a lot of matches with, you know, where the two fighters didn't really like each other. We saw it in way back when with Muhammad Ali and uh, 
and uh, Joe Frazier. We've seen it more recently with um, um, Eric Morales and Marco Antonio Barrera. And to one point or another, they, after a lot of years, became friends. Eric Morales and Marco Antonio Barrera more so. You know, they've gone out to dinner with their respective partners and all that here in Tijuana. So my question to you is, you know, in the aftermath, you don't think you're going to like it, but you think sometime in the future you guys could at least be cordial with each other since you guys have so much in common being two female boxers and being on this platform. I mean, there's no other two women that are going to be on this platform than you and her. You think that's something you guys could possibly talk about sometime in the future in a cordial way? I mean, maybe. I think that it definitely there's a few factors that are variables that are going to really determine that. You know, one, uh, boxing is a very practical thing, but it's, it's a lot of respect. So when we get in there, um, if I don't feel like she earns my respect or she or she feels like I – you know, I haven't earned hers. I don't, you know, I don't know. But if we, you know, give this really intense fight or really good fight or it's like tit for tat and we're just going back and forth, I feel there'll be a lot of respect that will be formed from that. But if somebody just rolls over the other person, you know, there nothing will be gained from that as far as respect goes. And then, two, you know, the loser, if the loser can kind of be okay with that moving forward. So... You know, I think it all just depends on how the fight plays out and and how we're able to respect each other after. Do you think you could be okay if you were to be the loser? Yeah, if it's a good fight, definitely. You know, if I if if it's a good fight and she because I don't respect her right now uh, for a lot of reasons, but if she earned my respect, if I get in there and I'm like, oh wow, she has way more than I gave her credit for. You know. I respect mm-hmm. that. You know, I respect that 100% because I know that I work hard. I know what kind of skill I have. I know how long I've been doing this. And if you can sit there and you, you can make me feel like, oh, wow, you know, you're doing stuff that I didn't expect and I'm really challenged here, then I respect that. You know, you, that means you did what you're supposed to do. And I 100% think I'll be okay with that if um, if I lose because I lost. You know, it's the lose, it's the losses that, you don't really lose and they take your fights are the ones that are hard to swallow. Mm-hmm. Well, Marlene, we want to thank you. First of all, I want to thank you for your frankness. You're very, very good, uh, very frank with us. And we wish you all the luck. Yeah. We wish you all the luck in the world this Saturday night. And hopefully uh, we can have you here again on the two minute round. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for your time. Okay. Have a good Thank night. Bye Marlene. Bye. Thank you. Thank you. And there you have it, folks. 2012 bronze, uh, bronze medalist and uh, undefeated professional fighter, WBO, NABO, flyweight champion facing Sinister Strat this weekend. Real quick, David, I don't know what's going on with the phone, but it's getting a lot of uh, uh, feedback, like an echo. Oh, really? I don't. Yeah, there's a lot of echo going on. Yeah, I can hear it. Uh, yeah, I can hear it. I think uh, I, I, I'm under underground now, so that's probably it. Okay, that's that's it. You sound you sound a hundred times better right now. Oh really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There's still a little. Yeah, are you listening to? I mean, do you have like a speaker on, or is it just the phone? No, I have a speaker on. 
Oh, that's the, it's the yeah, speaker. Yeah, I can it's, hear it's, it. Yeah. yeah. Can I can hear it? everybody on an echo. Yeah, it's, we're hearing oh. what we're saying on your speaker. Well, let me, let me take it off. I'll just take off <laughs> okay. the, the whole thing. Okay. If I lose you guys, I'll call back. Okay, no problem. Okay. And, uh, yeah, that's, I had to mute a little bit during the Esparza um, interview because it, it, I couldn't really hear it. Okay, guys, so you're still there, David, and we don't hear it, so it sounds good right now. Are you there? Yeah. Okay, perfect. It's perfect. Yeah, yeah, we, we, we hear. Yeah, yeah, we can't hear it. Okay, guys, let's go a little bit on the fight results. There's a lot to talk about since we were in here for three weeks, so let's try to move on through them uh, fairly quickly. Um, but before we move on, sorry, I just got a little weirded out. But before we move on, David, what did you think about that interview with Marlene? I think she was very frank. Um, you know what? I mean, I've heard, I mean, I read all the stories, and I've heard that a lot of people accuse her of being arrogant. This is the second time that I speak to her. The last, the first time was last week and this this week. And quite honestly, I don't see it. I mean, she's confident. I mean, she's a great fighter. She says, this is how good I am, and this is what I accomplished. And she's not lying. I mean, she's a bronze medalist. She was the first woman from the USA to win a medal. She won the medal before Clarissa Shields. I mean, Clarissa Shields won it in the, first, in the same Olympic Games, but they but she won it first. So she has that distinction. She's undefeated. She has all those amateurs. She's been fighting since she's 11 years old. She's 30 years old right now. I think she's done enough and worked hard enough to have the right to say how good she is, even if she's saying it herself. Other than that, I don't see, I don't see where all this other talk about her being this way and that way comes from. Well, you know, I've been in, interviewing her since about just before the Olympics that she, that she was engaged in 2012. And, uh, I'm, I'm like you. I see the same professional interview, a very open-minded uh, person, and very, just very to the point. Very good interview. Uh, I think it's mainly between fighters because most mm-hmm. of the com- uh, complaints have been from other fighters. Maybe that's her persona, you know, with other fighters, that she gives that to other fighters like, you know, don't tread on me kind of uh, attitude because she is a fighter. I mean, no yeah. matter what. Anybody thinks she's a fighter, so mm-hmm. I, I I give it to that. That's the reason that other fighters don't like her. And she Loopy. did say Go it ahead. was a she said it was a self defense mechanism in her. She goes, I think, and that's it too. You know, that's why I asked her if she felt more of a sisterhood now, and she does. You know, it kind of explains why people feel how they do. I think she's straight out. I think she's smart, business wise, career wise. She's a mom now. I, I don't know. I like her. I really like her. Yeah, I do too. I do too. I speak to Sinisa, and she, she's very much the same. They're very similar. Yeah. And I love very her similar. too. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I've spoken to Sinisa, and she's very humble, and she, um, uh, she's eloquent. Um, and, mm-hmm. and, and, and Marlene, I even told her in our interview that I had with her last, uh, last week that before speaking to her, I was a little bit nervous because of all this, this persona, like you mentioned, David, that she has built up. And I was kind of nervous about, you know, maybe, uh, not asking a question that she would like or not like or whatever. I mean, I still going to ask my questions, but I've been hung up on by fighters before it wouldn't be the first time, you know? Um, but, uh. But no, she was very eloquent. She was very frank with me, too, in our interview. And I really appreciate that because 
you know, sometimes you interview fighters, and David knows more than I do, that it sounds like a robot. Like you get the same answers, even though you ask oh, yeah. different questions or you might ask a variation of a question, you get the same <laughs> response. And with her, I really feel that she's telling you exactly how she feels, and I, and I really appreciate that. Yeah, she's very good. She's a very good interview. Okay, so let's move on. Go ahead, Lupe. Can I ask something real quick? So earlier, yeah. um, the Nevada State Athletic Commission put out the contract purses, and they had everybody's um, what they're making. And then when it came down to the girls, it was 50K even. Yeah. I don't know about that. What do you guys think? Well, in our mm-hmm. interview, I asked Marlene straight out. If, I mean, I didn't put it in the story, but I asked her straight out last week without giving me numbers who was going to get paid more, and she said she was. So, I mean, there might be some – I don't know. I mean, I don't want to say some uh, behind-the-scenes type of payment because, as you can see, um, Canelo is getting paid $35 million and Sergi Kohler is getting paid $3 million, uh, mm-hmm. you know, officially by the by the Nevada State Athletic Commission. But when it was first reported to Kovalev's purse, it was said it was going to be closer to $12 million. So, you know, they fudge with the numbers one way or the other. And, yeah. you know, I believe that Marlene is probably getting a little bit more. Yeah. I think you're right. There's some guarantees behind that. Okay. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Okay, so let's get started on Saturday. Go ahead, David. You want to say something? Oh, no. no. I'm fine. Okay. Moving on to Saturday, October the 12th in Pico Rivera, California, we saw Adelaida Ruiz, Southern Californians, La Cobra scored unanimous decision over Micaela Nebo in a six-runner at 118 pounds. Scores there were 60-54 three times. And this is the second time in a row that Adelaida Ruiz is taking the distance. David, you were there. What did you see in that fight? Uh, the girl she fought, Neville, was very tough. That was a really tough girl. I mean, she hung in there. I mean, Adelaida was hitting her with bombs. I mean, she wasn't wild. She was just precise and hitting her with bombs. And the other girl was able to take it. And she was trying every round to get her own uh, counters in there. And uh, there was no running away. She was standing her ground, trying to get her own con. She was moving and trying to create angles. Uh, she was very professional. And um, that girl's better than, than a record. Uh, she's fought some very, very tough opposition in her brief career, but that uh, Neville's a very good fighter. Yes. Um, so, do you I'm see her... I'm... Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead, Go ahead, Lupe. Oh, I, was gonna, I was just going to say, I'm glad that Neville is a good fighter, you know, better than she looks on paper, because it's like, somebody step up and fight Adelaida. Fight La Cobra, you know? Come on. Yeah. She's, she's willing. She's good. Somebody step up. So, it's nice to hear that Neville was was worth it. Good fight for her. But yeah, I think yeah, that Adelaide. Yeah. Go ahead, David. Yeah, Adelaide, oh. you know, complimented her saying that she very she was a very good opponent. You know, that was her, her direct quote. She was a very good opponent despite her record that it was kind of you know, it was more of like a illusion. <laughs> well, one thing about Elida right now is that I mean, she's she's kind of like on a holding pattern. She's fighting the same. Yeah. I mean, 
maybe a little bit step up with Neville in an opponent, but I mean her last spot, her last opponent, Mirka Aguayo, who we're gonna talk about in a little bit as well, was kind of like at the same level, and she's kind of like on a holding pattern. We've spoken to her here before on the show, and she mentioned that you know she was really looking to move away from fighting on these cards. She wanted to secure a promoter. She wanted to stop selling tickets because that's what she needs to do to get on these cards. And mm-hmm. for one reason or another, she hasn't gotten that um, that uh, interest and that attention from a promoter. You know, she's in L.A. It doesn't necessarily need to be Golden Boy. There's other promoters out there that are signing women and not necessarily from their towns. So... I think that's what we're going to have to do or we're going to have to see for her to step up in competition, which I think she's ready for. I mean, maybe not the mm-hmm. world elite and not the elite at her, at her weight class, but a little bit better competition so that way she could grow as a fighter and get um, on, the, on the boxing radar and have people pay no- take notice. Do you agree, David? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. She's already ready. She's that kind of fighter. Uh, She's got um, she's got all the tools. She does need some more polishing, but that'll come with the opposition. And and, mm-hmm. and to get the opposition, she needs to step up to to try to have a promoter that is willing to invest a little bit of money on her, and not and not her opponent be based on how many tickets she sells, because obviously that's a big part of it. She sells X amount of tickets, that's how much they can pay the opponent, and that's what kind of level of fighter you're gonna get. Mm-hmm. Yep. Now, on that same night, on September 12th, October 12th, we had Mariana Juarez, La Barbie from Mexico, score unanimous decision against Argentinian Carolina Duer in a 10-rounder. She was defending her WBC 118-pound title. Scores there were 98-91 two times in 97-94. Duer had a couple of good rounds there, and then Juarez took over. So Juarez is, move, is looking to... Um, challenge for that 122 pound WBC title which she has been talking about for a couple of uh of some months now. She was here on the show a couple of shows ago and mentioned that that's what she's looking for in early on uh 2020 and we saw her uh one thing is that her the champion Fatima Saruka is going to be coming to Mexico to, to in a rematch against Yamiles Mercado. So if Mercado were to win, that makes the fight against Bobby Juarez that much easier to make because it will be Mexican against Mexican and not having to work out a deal with a fighter from Africa and, and then also the expense of bringing a fighter of that caliber and from so far away into Mexico. So we'll see what happens in that fight, which is before the end of the year. Um, in Chicago, Illinois, we had on the zone on the same night, October 12th, Jessica McCaskill scored a majority decision over Rika Farias in a rematch, and that fight for, was for the WBC and WBA world titles, 97-91, 96-92, and then even 94-94. I was really, really surprised with the way that Farias fought, or Farias fought in this second mm-hmm. fight between her and McCaskill. It was nothing like the first fight. What would possess a fighter to do that, David, and not fight like in the first fight and hold so much in that second fight? That's a good question. <laughs> That's a good question. Uh, I think um, I think Farias came out thinking that that uh, 
she just had a bad first fight and then quickly realized that McCaskill was the real deal. Very strong, very fast, and she just better hold on. Yeah. Yeah, and that's what it looks like. Loopy? And another another question is, why didn't the ref get a little bit more involved? Right? I mean... I think that fight got away from... Yeah, I think that fight got away from uh, Christian Curiel. That's the name of the referee. He's actually here from Tijuana. I've seen him ref hundreds and hundreds of fights, and he he's uh, he's been he has experience refing. I mean, he was he was a ref in the amateurs. He's been a ref for quite a while here in Tijuana. He's starting to get a little bit uh, a little bit more international uh, action. But I just think that mm-hmm. fight just got away from him, and he just. He wasn't yeah. able to assert himself as the third man in the ring, and if you don't do that early on, these girls, the fighters in general, are not going to have any respect for you, and they're just going to do what they want to do. Yeah. Yeah. He he gave it a warning, and he took a point, but he should have said one more time, and I'm going to disqualify you. And she, yeah. you know, she just did it again and again and again. I hate the one thing I hate in boxing is holding more than yeah, anything you, else. You yeah. mentioned that. Uh, yeah. You mentioned it quite. That's your. That's your. Uh, your pet peeve in boxing, David. You mentioned that uh, quite a lot here <laughs> on the show and in your writing. So, yeah, I was watching that fight and I was cringing because I was just thinking of what you were thinking uh, about that fight. Um, now on on Friday, October eighteenth, uh, we had in Niagara Falls, New York, Telemundo, Marine Shea scoring a unanimous decision over over Adina Kiss in a six rounder at one hundred twenty six pounds. Scores there were 60, 54, three times. And this is my question regarding Maureen Shea. Why doesn't she get bigger fights? She only has two losses in her record in her career, one of them being for a world title. But you don't hear her. I mean, she's in like in her late 30s, but you don't hear her. She's been fighting forever, but you don't really hear her being in the mix for any big names that are 126. What's going on there? Nobody That's a good cares. question. Nobody cares. I said nobody cares. David, am I wrong? I, you know, it's funny because uh, I always thought that she was based on the East Coast, but she's actually an Oxnard still. And, yeah, uh, CLA girl. So it's, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the problem is. Uh, I couldn't really say. I've known Marine for a long time, and um, she's very smart in the, in the boxing world, but I'm always um, amazed that she doesn't get more fights. Maybe, maybe she does. Yeah. Maybe she tries. I don't know. Maybe, but then, every, but then everyone, you know, she fights Adina Kiss, who fights everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, if you need a fight, call Adina Kiss. You know, so. I just find oh, it hard no. to believe that nobody else at 126 pounds, anybody that is uh, a little bit higher up wouldn't call on Marie mm-hmm. Shea and at least try to get that record. I mean, she has 30-something fights and only two losses. So on paper, she looks great, and you can sell it. And like you say, David, she's very smart. She's very eloquent. She's very, um, you know, she knows how to work up the media and, and herself and promote herself. She has a manager. I'm just surprised that no bigger name than her has called her out or try to make a fight with her. Maybe they have, and she just said no, but that that record of 30-something and only two losses would look great uh, uh, on, on facing somebody else, even on TV, you know? 
bigger names and, and maybe even a rematch mm-hmm. with Nessa Bradford and, and try to beat her more convincingly. On Friday, October 25th in Mexico, Sonia Osorio scored a unanimous decision against Estrella Valverde in a scheduled 10 rounder at 115 pounds. With the win, she takes the interim WBC uh, super flyweight title, scores there were 99-91 two times in 98-92. And in Reno, Nevada, Rosalinda Rodriguez scored a unanimous decision against Mirka Aguayo in a six-rounder at 115 pounds. Scores were 60-54 two times in 59-55. David, you had an interview with Rosalinda Rodriguez. This was, I believe, broadcast of the UFC pass, and I believe you watched the fight. Um, and she doesn't get no, a lot of fights either. Oh, you weren't able to watch it? Um, no, I couldn't watch it uh, live, and I thought maybe I could watch the tape, but they didn't show the tape that that day. Uh, or they they don't tape it for the same now, day. Now, but uh, go ahead. Rosalina Rodriguez doesn't really get a lot of fights. You know, she's kind of like her 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 uh, activity is not as consistent as other fighters. You would say. Did she give you why a reason why that she hasn't been that consistent? Well, uh, one thing I heard, and it's funny because uh, she. Her team claimed that they tried uh, to fight Ava Knight and and they were declined twice. Uh, they, she, she was supposed to fight Katie Mitchell. She was supposed to fight. Yeah, Katie Mitchell I don't know what happened to that fight. I don't know. I don't know what happened to that fight. The Mitchell. Hmm. Um, well, it's, it's while I was um, while I was uh, preparing the, the 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 information here that we go over every every show. And I came across this result. I said, well, why doesn't Adelaida Ruiz face Rosalinda Rodriguez? Oh, yeah. That would be a great fight. That would be a great fight. And, you know, I don't know if you remember this, uh, David. And sorry, Lupe, you probably don't remember this. because. and, And the reason I say that David will probably remember this is because it was a Southern California fight. And these two guys, it was two guys. And I'm going to tell their names, but I just want to set the backdrop real quick. And the whole story of the fight is that whoever won, they were both evenly matched, both undefeated. And we've seen this time and time again, but this is the time that I remember that it was so, like, uh, black and white, that whoever won this fight was going to go to bigger and better things, and whoever lost was either going to stay at that level or have to go back to the, to the, uh, to the blackboard or to the drawing board. And it, exactly that is what happened. And the fight was years and years ago, David. It was between two heavyweights, and it was Chris Ariola and Bo, Damian Bolo Willis. Do you remember that fight? Bolo Willis used to be oh, yeah. uh, was that? managed managed by Denzel Washington. Yeah. yeah. No way. I remember yeah. talking to Denzel. Yeah. I actually and, I talked to Denzel before the fight. He was asking me my opinion of it. And I, uh, I said, you know, it all comes down to who can take whose punch? And, 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 if, and, if Bolo can take Chris's yeah. punch, then he'll win. But if he can't, and, he won't. <laughs> and, 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 and that was the storyline behind that fight because these guys were up and coming. They had, you know, less than 20 fights each. And whoever won, it was, it was thought of that he would go to bigger and better things and the loser would either stay there or have to go back to the drawing board. And that's exactly what happened. Chris Ariola went to bigger, better things, bigger fights, world title challenges, and, and big names and big money, and Bolo Willis disappeared. 
And maybe this is that kind of fight for Adelaida Ruiz and Rosalinda Rodriguez. They're both at the same level, I think, as far as popularity. And maybe Rosalinda Rodriguez, well, not even because you said the fight wasn't televised. So they're in the same level. They're at this level where we've heard of them. We've seen them because we're in Southern California, at least Adelaida Ruiz. And, fight, and people in the East Coast have seen Rosalinda Rodriguez. But this is the kind of fight where they face each other. And the winner goes to bigger and better things, and the loser either stays there at that level or goes back to the drawing board. Yeah, they're both, and they're different fighters, different styles completely. Yeah, so that was to make good fights. I mean, you have two boxers. I mean, it's going to be exciting, but not as exciting when you have two brawlers or a brawler and a boxer. So, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if we need to make a call to Guy Taylor over there at Roy Jones Jr. Promotions and, and put that fight on UFC Pass. I mean, I would pay the UFC Pass to see that fight. It's a good one. Yeah. On Friday, October 25th as well, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, former model, now boxer, Avril Massey scores the unanimous decision over Karen Dudlin. In a four-rounder at 118 pounds, scores there were 40-36 three times. And on Saturday, Saturday is uh, October 26th, in Cancun, Mexico, Yesenia Gomez scores the unanimous decision over Venezuelan Deborah Regifo in a 10-rounder to defend her 108-pound WBC uh, world title. And in Rito, Nevada, on top-ranked ESPN+, Plus, Michaela Mayer scores a six-round TKO over Alejandra Soledad Zamora, in a 10-rounder at 130 pounds. Mayer defended her NABF super featherweight title in that fight. Um, she looked ex- at the, In the beginning, to me, David, she didn't look as explosive as we've seen her in the past, but obviously she was able to score enough punches and hurt Samora enough times to have Samora not come out after the sixth round, I believe it was. Um, but another one that I feel that is on a holding pattern to see what is next. And obviously top rank knows what they're doing. We said that before plenty of times here on the show, uh, Todd, uh, well, Todd, the buff, the president of the company, um, but a uh, Bruce Trampler and uh, Brad Goodman, the matchmakers. Um, this is the first woman that they've ever worked with. So, you know, they're learning on the job as far as matchmaking for her, but I think that she's ready. She's been ready for a world title, but she's on a holding pattern as well. David, do you agree? Uh, I think uh, it's not that uh, I've talked to top rank guys. I've talked to Brad Goodman and, and Bruce and Bob Arum. And uh, basically it's not that the, not, they don't believe in her. It's that the, I think what I think it is, is that the money offered is not enough. That the other girls are saying that's not enough money for me to get in there with Michaela Mayer. They They, mm-hmm. they expect more. Because she has ESPN, they expect more, more money than is being offered on the table. That's my opinion. I don't know for sure. It could be, I could be off, but I look, that's the feeling I get. Because now I, I'm hearing that Eva Wallstrom wants to fight uh, Michaela Mayer. That I, so I think the money has been uh, pumped up more. But before, she didn't want to, not for the money was, that was offered. Did you get to watch the fight, Lupi? No, I saw little bits of it, little bits. And I saw the good parts, you know, the good highlights, 
you know, Michaela, she's got those nice combos that look like they hurt. Mm. You know, and she doesn't she always start off slow in the rounds? Like she starts, she gets warmed up, doesn't she? Yeah, she warms up. She just has a problem of diving in. That's, and, that's the only thing I see. Yeah, and Samora, I mean, she wasn't going to pose a threat. I mean, physically, the, the uh, physical advantages for Mayer are so great, 130 pounds. I mean, she's tall, she's rangy, she's long, and she knows how to use it. And that's the main, the main, I think her main weapon is that, you know, she has great punches. She puts great punches together. She's very talented. She's technical. But the to me, the her biggest weapon is that she fully understands what an what what big advantage it is to be that tall and that rangy at that weight class, and she knows how to take advantage of that. And I think that's her biggest weapon. And I think that might be the biggest obstacle for other women to be willing to face her. Um, yeah. Now, going back to what you said uh, and the conversations and your opinion of why we can't get a world title fight for her, do you think, David, that eventually top rank? is going to have to step up and maybe overpay an opponent to to get her a fight? I don't know about overpay, but pay more. <laughs> they're definitely going to have to pay more. There's, there's a line that they're not meeting. If other girls can get, get the, the amount of money, like, for instance, Eva Wallstrom fought in UFC Fight Pass, and she fought against a decent girl. I mean, Monica Jeffrey is a pretty good fighter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the fact that she took that fight but didn't take the Cavus fight, that tells me something. Yeah, I mean, I mean, well, yeah, she probably thought that it was a more winnable fight for her uh, facing a good uh, good fighter in Ronica Jeffries than a very good fighter in Michaela Mayer who just happens to be so much taller than her and with that with that uh, reach advantage, you know? So I mean, if you were going to pay the same amount of money and you told her, okay, you want to fight Ronica Jeffries, you want to fight Michaela Mayer, and it was, well, obviously Ronica Jeffries for the same amount of money, well, what if I offer you 5000 more? I would still go with Ronica Jeffries because I have more of a chance to win, and I would believe that that's the mentality. Yeah, I agree. But if it's, but if it's $20,000 more, then, well, I mean, I might take the, the risk, and I am going to walk away with $20,000 more than this other fight. So, mm-hmm. you know... I think money talks, and I don't know. At one point, Top Rank is going to have to uh, put up the money to get her a world title fight. And with that, I would imagine that would come um, more of a, more leverage for ESPN to have uh, Michaela Mayer on on their airwaves. Yeah, yeah. Now, I think that, that they're they're going to hit that point next year. I'm pretty sure they're yeah. going to offer way more. I hope so, and it's good for us because we'll be able to see the fight. Now, moving on to a little bit of the fight chatter. David, you're in Las Vegas. I'm sure you're going to bump into a lot of people. I've seen a lot of uh, people's uh, social network, social media, and they're starting to make their way to Vegas. You're going to have some female fighters out there that you might be able to do some contact and get some juicy notes for us on our next show, which will be number 77, scheduled for November 14th. But what did come down the the uh, news pipeline this last week was that Heather Hardy, who was positive 
in her fight for a uh, for an illegal substance in her fight against Amanda Serrano back in September has now been fined by the New York State Athletic Commission ten thousand dollars and suspended for six months. Now they do give her thirty days to appeal the decision of the commission to suspend her. But we had a private conversation between three of the three of us, um, and we all were on agree on agreement that this was a very harsh suspension. That they're maybe using the scale that they use for the male fighters who get paid a lot more. But to to I mean I don't know how much she got paid for that Serrano fight, but I'm thinking that after taxes and after paying her her uh, team, you know her manager and her and and her. Uh, if she has a manager, or at least her trainers, that $10,000 is a big chunk of change for her. So your thoughts, David, on the suspension, and then we'll go to Lupi. Well, uh, I have multiple thoughts on this suspension. Uh, first, uh, I think it is too high. Uh, I, I think that after taxes, they should do it after taxes, and it'll probably be a lot less. But the other thing, too, is, that, is the New York State Athletic Commission. I'm, I'm kind of upset at them. They never released any information regarding Delphine Persoon and Katie Taylor. Mm-hmm. They never did. Uh, I approached them two, three times. They said they didn't have to and this and that. Uh, they're horrible. They're a horrible commission. They think they're bigger than they are than they should be. Uh, and they, they serve the public, and yet they don't tell the public anything. They act like uh, it's their own little fiefdom. And uh, I think the New York uh, State Athletic Commission should find themselves, and uh, <laughs> they should all take a pay cut. Wow, that's nothing. Lupi, what are your thoughts on on that suspension and that ten thousand dollar fine? I think the fine is way too high. You know, they should. It's way too high. She disclosed that she took something. And the fine is just too high. I think it's also a shame that Heather Hardy found this out on Twitter. She found it on her Instagram. I think that's really a shame. I agree and with that's you what guys. I think upsets me the most. Yeah, yeah. She was. I think yeah. She mentioned that they didn't even contact her, and she found out on Twitter. Now, I agree with you guys that it's it is. Um, yeah, that it is very high. Uh, the six month suspension. I mean, I think those suspensions are kind of. I mean, sometimes some of these fighters don't fight for six months, anyways. So the suspension doesn't really matter to me that much. It's a ten thousand dollars because that really hits. You know, we know her. Mm-hmm. We know her story. You know, she's a working mother. She she's worked in the past day jobs, so she could be able to box a, a, mm-hmm. as a professional. She has a daughter um, that she obviously supports. So ten thousand dollars is a lot of money for a person, for a woman like this, for a boxer like this, for a fighter. Now she is a fighter. Her promoter is Lou DiBella. Lou DiBella is a lawyer, or used to be a lawyer. I hope that they can get a good, somewhat of a good legal team and appeal the decision and maybe reduce the fine. But now, as far as I've read quite a bit about it, and I read her statements, and and what I do know, which is not a lot, but what I do know about this type of testing is that if you're taking something that is on the, on the um, ban list, list. on the ban anti-substance list that you are supposed to fill out a form disclosing that. And she, 
I believe, and I might be wrong, but I believe that she didn't fill out that form because she didn't know, you know, she didn't know that she had to fill it out, but that she did disclose the fact that she was taking this this pill to to have her pee more because she she say she states that she retains water while she's on her period more so than other women perhaps, and that she's taking this over that this pill that needed a that was pretty strong because she needed a prescription for it to be able to pee more so that she could release that water in the weeks leading up to uh the fight but this this substance also can double as a as a um as a masking agent to be able to hide other things that you might be taking and that's why this is on the on the ban list so she did mention that she did disclose it to the person that was taking the test but i don't think that she disclosed it to by filling out that form and doing the oh. official the official route of disclosing this 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 pill, okay? So to a certain extent, she is guilty of taking something she's not supposed to be taking. And for that, anybody, not only Heather Hardy, but anybody should be punished. But I re, I, I repeat, I believe the, the punishment is too harsh and that she should appeal and maybe they should reduce it. Um, yeah. And, uh, and what's that? We should ask for a Heather Hardy to call in the show. Yeah, we should. And the other thing that I want to say about Heather Hardy is by, you know, she looks in shape. You know, she looks in shape. And maybe we could, we could get her on the next show and we could talk about it. But she does look in shape. Um, she always does. She always makes weight. But she doesn't have the body of somebody that would be taking some illegal substance to A, make her stronger, or B, have her have more stamina because – Mm-hmm. Because in that fight against Amanda Serrano, she got tired. I mean, not not to the point where she looked, you know, exhausted. But like any fighter, you don't have the same energy in the mm-hmm. in the eighth, ninth round, tenth round, like you do in the first or second round. You know, so it didn't look like she had uh, an extraordinary level of stamina. Her body doesn't look like she, you know, she has a lot of muscle on it. That would be that would be the the cause of a of an illegal substance. So I don't believe that she's any she's on anything, and that she's hiding anything by using this substance. I believe that she retains water as a woman when she's on her period, and it's a, probably a little bit more than other women. And she needs to take this pill. Her doctor prescribed it to her, um, so that she way she could pee it out, or else she would have to kill herself to make the weight. But at the same time. There's certain protocols that need to be followed, and she didn't. So for that, she needs to be punished, but not to this extent. So, so I hopefully she gets to mm-hmm. appeal it, and um, and um, and it comes out better for her. Now, another news that happened this last week is that Cecilia Breakout, the undefeated, undisputed, and unified welterweight champion, and on many lists, not on everybody on this show, but on many lists, the number one pound-for-pound female fighter in the world got signed to Matchroom Boxing. You know, she's with, uh, she was, I believe she still is, or maybe she isn't. Maybe her contract ended with um, uh, K2 Promotions, which is a promotional company of the Klitschko Brothers, which I don't even think it exists anymore, because at one point they were somehow associated with Gennady Golovkin, 
Um, they were somehow associated with Breakhouse. Now she signed with Matchroom. She has a deal. She's going to be fighting before the end of the year against uh, Victoria Bustos. And um, I think it's it's a good piece of news. Let's see where it comes. Well, let's see what happens in 2020 with this agreement. David, what did you think about her signing with Matchroom? Uh, I, I saw her on Sunday. I didn't really get a chance to talk to her, but um, I, but I did have lunch with uh, Tom Loeffler a couple of times, and we did we talked about it. Tom is her advisor, and um, he thinks it's going to open up a lot of doors, a lot of opportunities. There's so many fights she could possibly get, including uh, Katie Taylor if she goes up, the rest of Shields if she goes down, or if Cecilia goes up. And uh, things like that. And uh, he, he sees a bright lining for that fight. Uh, she's still training in Big Bear. I'll probably go up there to, to visit her in Cap with Abel. And uh, I look forward to it. I, I think it's it's going to be great for women's boxing. Lupi, uh, what do you think about that signing? Exactly what David said. Great for female boxing. Great for Cecilia. She deserves it. And like you said, there's so many ways she can go and so many people she can fight. She doesn't have to fight Clarissa. You know, she can go any way she wants. Great for female boxing. I think it's more feasible to see, especially after this Saturday and the way that she looks this Saturday night, Katie Taylor, I think it's more feasible to have her go up to 147 or maybe a catch weight at 145 to face Cecilia Breakhouse, especially with both being on matchroom boxing, than... Cecilia going up to a catch weight of 150 or 152 or maybe even all the way to 154 because I don't think that Shields can give any more than 154. So I don't think that that it's more feasible for Taylor to go up to meet Breakhouse than Breakhouse to go up to meet uh, Shields. And maybe she should do both. <laughs> yeah, maybe she should do both. That's but we also got to... Yeah, we also got to remember that Breakhouse is, is getting up there. I mean, she's in her late 30s, and when you start getting a little yeah. bit older, it starts getting a little bit tougher as well. Yeah, she and she doesn't want to get hurt, you know? What's that, David? She looks very young. She looks very yeah, young. She, yeah, she looks young. And, she, you know, she's never been in any wars or anything like that. Um, no. What did you say, uh, uh, Lupi? Because both of you guys spoke okay. at the same time. Sorry. I said she, and she doesn't want to get hurt. She is getting older. And like you yeah. said, she looks great. She's beautiful. But she is getting older. She doesn't want to get hurt. You know, there's no sense in her taking on something and getting physically hurt. Now, lastly, but in the her, fight. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, go no, ahead. Go ahead. No, because I was going to I was going to move on to a different topic. So go ahead and finish your no, thought on ahead. this one. That's fine. Okay. No, go ahead. Move on. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Lupi. Um, now, in a tweet today, a couple hours ago, Kevin Aoli from Yahoo Sports tweeted out, and I and I quote, promoter Lou DiBella working on an all-women's card with Golden Boy and others for March. So that's very good news. Lou DiBella spoke to us about the all-female fight card that he was working on for this year uh, with Showtime, and obviously that didn't happen. Why? Because... Lou DiBella admitted to us here on the show the second time that he was on that he got into some hot water with the network for some dealings that he had with with uh, Deontay Wilder and, and introducing Deontay Wilder to 
Eddie Hearn and Matchroom Boxing and the Zone when they were trying to make a deal over there. So Showtime and the the brass up there didn't like that and basically took Luther Bella and 86 them out of the network. I mean, he he admitted to it here. So he went on and moved on and 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 went over to the UFC pass and did some deals there. And now he's looking. It looks like he's working with Golden Boy and others for a March all female card, more than likely on the zone. And he wants to make Napoleon, Alicia Napoleon, against uh, Franchon Cruz in a unification fight mm-hmm. for that show at 168 pounds. Also, Lou DiBella said that the WBC at the last convention, which was his last last week, ordered, which we don't know it's going to happen, but at least the WBC ordered it. So if they want to keep the belt, they have to make it between Jelena Maranovic and Amanda Serrano, one mm-hmm. fight that we have been looking forward to for quite a while. David, what do you make of that tweet from Kevin Aoli? Uh that's amazing. I haven't heard anything about that, but uh, it makes a lot of sense. Um, I'm, I'm, I kind of chuckle at the fact that the WBC is mandating that Mergenovic fight Serrano because, on the other hand, why don't they mandate that Yesenia Gomez fight Kenya Enriquez or, mm-hmm. or Sinisa when they're yeah. both, you know, holding belts? It, it's, it's one of those uh, capricious things that the not just the WBC, but other uh, sanctioned organizations do. Well, that's one. I mean, the WBC, we have to admit that out of the four major sanctioning bodies, and we all know my thoughts about the WBO, which they don't even have women's rankings, but of all the four major sanctioning bodies, and by the four, I mean WBC, WBO, WBA, and IBF, the WBC is probably the one that does the most for women's boxing. I mean, they've had a couple of conventions. Mm-hmm. They they support female boxing. They have champions in pretty much every division. They're a big part of uh, the female boxing is a big part of their organization. Um, but yeah. one thing that you can critique about, they actually started the, the clean boxing program, something that you've been talking about David and asking for for yeah. quite a while is for women to be tested as well. And they started the clean boxing program for women as well. But one thing that can be critiqued from them is that they don't really mandate a fight. They don't really mandate their champions to defend against the number one ranked or the interim champion. Like you mentioned the, the, the situation between Gomez and Enriquez and here the interim champion is Amanda Serrano. The full-fledged champion is Jelena Moranovic. But one thing that we do need to understand when it comes to boxing in general and female boxing is that there is a lot of politics involved. So it all depends yeah. on who you know. You know? So I don't know if Lou DeBella uh, or Jelena. I mean, I don't, Jelena Moranovic was at the convention this last week. Amanda Serrano wasn't. I'm not sure if Lou DiBella was down there. I don't know if Lou DiBella got into Mauricio's ear and or um, <laughs> uh, forgot the guy's name from Germany who was the chairman for female boxing for the WBC. Oh, yeah. I forgot his name. Yeah, I don't know if he got in, Yeah, I don't know if he got in his ear and he said, hey, you know, let's ask for this fight. And in Enriquez's, Kenny Enriquez's case, there's nobody getting anybody's ear. I mean, 
I don't even know if she has a promoter at this point. I don't know if she's with Sanford. The only yes. do. What's that? We're probably the only ones that do. <laughs> yeah, Yesenia Gomez. Um, she's with Pepe Gomez, who was the host of the WBC convention yes. in Cancun, Mexico. Exactly. And I'm sure he's not asking Mauricio Suleiman <laughs> to put in Yesenia Gomez, his world champion, against such a tough fighter in Kenny Enriquez. And and so that's why the reason I don't think that fight has been mandated at all. Also, you can, can pick his poison. What's that? You can pick, you can pick his poison. It could be Kenya or Sanisa, either one. Yeah, and it, and to quite and to be quite honest with you, and it probably will be if Estrada wins this fight, and she wants to go back to 108, it's probably gonna be um, Estrada. Why? Because she's with Golden Boy Promotions, and Golden Boy Promotions has a good relationship with Pepe Gomez, who is the promoter of Yesenia Gomez, and they have all the money. I mean, you, we just saw, Lupe mentioned it a little while ago, the purses that they are going to be getting paid, $50,000. Yeah, so, great. you know, that's a lot of money for 108-pound female fighters. And Kenya sure Ricas, no way, no way, no how can she command that kind of purse for an opponent. Um, for a Yesenia Gomez fight. So, um, if anything, it's going to be Senes Estrada who gets that opportunity. Good point. And, and you know, okay. and it's not to disparage Mauricio. Mauricio is a great guy. He's a, a generous mm-hmm. host. Um, he's always been very good to me, at least. Uh, and it has nothing to do with his character or anything, but like you said, it's probably politics and economics. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that Pepe, Pepe Gomez has a, good, a very good relationship with Marisa Suleiman. I mean, I just he hosted the convention in Cancun. He's a very uh, wealthy man in Mexico. You know, he owns a, a lot of businesses, including a newspaper. And he's not gonna he's gonna try to keep Yesenia Gomez as a world champ, rightfully so as a promoter. I mean, that's what he's supposed to do. He's supposed to keep her as a champion as long as he can, and he's gonna try to do that. But it's the WBC's job to have her defend against the mandatory challengers at least once a year. Every, you know, the the rule state that you are to defend against the mandatory challenger, and then in, in the in nine months, and then after that you get a voluntary defense against a fighter ranked in the top 15. She's never done that. She's never defended against a mandatory challenger, who in this case would be the interim champion in Kenny Enriquez. She's never done it. And yeah. I can I could almost guarantee you, I mean, I can't almost, because I don't want to get sued for libel, but okay. I could almost guarantee you that Pepe Gomez is asking Marisa Suleiman not to mandate that fight. Yeah. Well, folks, we're almost out of time here. We had a great show. We're going to go into the upcoming calendar in a couple of seconds here, but we do want to thank, uh, hopefully, uh, sleeping now, Marlene Esparza, getting ready for tomorrow's weigh-in, for being here on the show with us. We've had a lot of information. We had a good conversation regarding Heather Hardy and breakouts and this up-and-coming possible all-female fight in March uh, with Lou DiBella and Golden Boy. And, it was, and, and and just to touch on that subject very quickly, after that, um, David fell out. Hopefully he calls back right now. Um, but just to touch on that, Lupe, is that Alicia Napoleon and Franchon Cruz um, stated 
their their wish to actually make that fight the sooner uh, the better and hopefully on that card so at least both of them publicly are on are on board for that fight yeah i saw that it publicly and very nicely with class and grace and they did it i love the way they came out and did that I know you, I agree with you. I agree with you. I mean, the trash talking is fun. You got to admit, the trash talking is fun. We're talking about that shove between Sinister Estrada and Marlene Esparza. And that brings the attention, like David said at the opening of the show, yeah. that the girls are getting a lot of, uh, a lot of attention. But, you know, it's always, it's always nice also to see some classy women that get in the ring and punch each other in the face for money. So to be able to be classy outside of it. But uh, David, we're waiting for David. I don't know if he's going to be able to jump back in here. But uh, let's go over the upcoming calendar real quick because we are running out of time. Friday, November 1st from Samstown in Las Vegas. Mayweather Promotions gives us on Showtime. Now, I don't know if this fight's going to be televised or not, but Ava Knight will it's be on taking on Luna. It's going to be on Facebook. It's on so Facebook, okay. uh, Mayweather. Mayweather. Okay, so... Search out Mayweather Promotions uh, Facebook page, and you're going to be able to see Ava Knight, who we thought we had lost to MMA, but oh, maybe like less than a month after her MMA debut, she's right back in the boxing ring, and she's going to be taking on veteran Luna del Mar Torroba from Argentina in a scheduled eight-rounder at 112 pounds. And on Saturday, November 2nd, from we have a bunch of fighting. We have from the Sun Dome in... Yeah. Tampa Bay, in Tampa, Florida, we have Chevelle Hellback, veteran, taking on Silvia Sabados in a six-rounder at 147 pounds. And that fight was announced as a three-minute round. There is going to be a three-minute round out there in Florida. Also on the same card, Alicia Baumgartner will be taking on Tijuana's Annette Pabello in a six-rounder at 135 pounds. And that's also announced as a three-minute round. And uh, Baumgartner, who was signed to uh, the Real Deal Promotions, Evander Holyfield's promotional company, now has signed on with uh, King Promotions after mm-hmm. uh, the Real Deal uh, dissolved. So she now has a promoter, and we might be seeing a little bit more action from her. From the Men Arena in Manchester, uh, England, Matchroom Boxing gives it on the zone. Christina Lenardartu against Katie Taylor in a 10-rounder. For the WBO 140-pound title, who do you think wins that fight, Lupi? Oh, uh, Christina versus Katie. Yeah. That you know that's the, these that's going to be a really good fight. I mean, Christina's she's tough. She's really tough. But you know what, Katie Taylor's Katie Taylor. I mean, Christina's never fought a fighter like anybody her? like Delphine. You know, I mean, she just mm-hmm. hasn't fought anybody that I don't see her. I don't see her winning Katie Taylor. One thing I do find interesting is because we did see that fight against Delphine Pursuant and such a rough time that Katie Taylor had against a very aggressive fighter like Pursuant. And Lena Tardu is the same type of fighter, but five pounds heavier. So I think that's going to be very interesting to see if Katie Taylor learned from that Pursuant fight. Was mm-hmm. it a fluke? Yeah. Was it a fluke? Or she just can't deal with fighters that are this aggressive. So we're going to be able to see that this Saturday night. Also on that card... Another English fighter, well, actually, Kate Taylor is from Ireland, but an English fighter, Terry Harper, will be facing Vivian Obinoff in a 10-rounder for the 130-pound IBO title. 
from the MGM Grand Arena in Las Vegas, Nevada. Golden Boy Promotions gives us on the zone Giniese Estrada facing Marlene Esparza in a 10-rounder for the vacant interim WBA title at 112 pounds. And that is also a three-minute round. And on Saturday, November 9th in Albuquerque, New Mexico, Amy La Picosita Salinas, a friend of the show, will be taking on Traversa Norwood in a four-rounder at Super Flyweight. And Selena Barrios in San Antonio the same night will be taking on Allison Martinez in a six-rounder at 140 pounds. In Mexico, Lourdes La Pequeña Lulu Juarez is facing the ever-fearful uh, TBA in a 10-rounder at 112 pounds. <laughs> and listen to this, Lupe. You're somewhat connected to this. Trinidad and Tobago, Larissa Rivas Wallace will be taking on Gwendolyn O'Neill in a 10-rounder at heavyweight for the vacant WBC title. That is a title oh, that your yeah, good friend right. your good friend Marta Salazar held. She was defeated by Alejandra La Tigresa La Tigre Jimenez. Now Jimenez has gone down to 168 pounds. She was supposed to face French on Cruz. She wasn't able to get a visa on uh, for September 14th. Mm-hmm. So now the, the title has gone vacant, and these two women are going to be facing each other. Now, Gwendolyn O'Neill is 50 years old, Lupi, and in her last five Ooh. fights, in her last five fights, she holds a record of three wins, one loss, and one draw. But more alarming is that she fought one time in 2000. Well, her last five fights, she it was in 2010, two times in 2011. One time in 2015 and one time oh. in 2016. So we could say all the great things we could say about the WBC, but for them to accept this fight as a heavyweight title fight is yeah. mm-hmm. quite honestly embarrassing. I mean, this woman it has not fought. She has not fought in the last three years. She had two fights in 11, one fight in 15. So no fights in 2012, no fights in th- 2013, no fights in 2014. She fights one time in 15, she fights one time in 16, and then hasn't fought since. And now she's fighting for a world title. I mean, she so doesn't instead have, of waiting, yeah. She has, like she has pedigree. For something good, they're yeah. just jamming it in. And they well, she has jam this in. She has a pedigree. I mean, she's a veteran. She's fought a, a lot of names in the past. She, I believe mm-hmm. she fought Leila Ali and all that. But, I mean, she's 15 years old. That was a generation ago. So yeah, um, we'll see hey, what happens. Can you see that anywhere? Where where are they? I don't know. It's from Trinidad. It's from Trinidad Tobago. I mean, I don't know. I mean, oh, we're gonna have to search wide, high and wide to find that fight. And uh, moving on, that was on uh, what day was that? Friday, October twenty fifth. Also mm-hmm. on ESPN Plus from London, England. Chantel Cameron goes against Anaí Esther Sanchez in a 10-rounder at 135 pounds. And lastly, on Monday, November 11th, which is kind of strange, in Belgium, Delphine yeah. Pursun drops down, drops down to 130 pounds to face Helen Joseph for the interim WBA super featherweight title. So that's what we have in store in the next couple of weeks. We'll be talking about that and much more on our next show scheduled for November 14th. Unfortunately, David fell out. He's out in Vegas <laughs> and he's having some troubles with reception, but he's going to be there ringside for that fight for Sinistra Estrada against Marlene Esparza. So with that said, Lupe, 
Thank you for being on the show. Have a good night, and we'll see you Thank all you. on November 14th. And enjoy the fights, Lupe, and we'll talk soon. Thank you. Hey, and I was supposed to be in Vegas, but my mother's celebrating her 87th birthday, November 2nd. Happy birthday. Happy birthday to your mom, and happy birthday to Elena Reed, whose birthday is tomorrow. So happy birthday to your mom and Elena Reed, and have a good night. Thank you. We'll talk soon. Bye.